welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point, because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl and the Gov, the podcast. Samantha is applying lip gloss, and we are ready to go. We this are week. so ready. We are so ready. This is a hell of a week. Hell of a week. I, okay, look, we know I'm more of the negative Nancy of this duo, but mm-hmm. that makes me ask, like, in terms of these election results, what were you thinking? Because I know what I was thinking, obviously, inside this crazy brain of jumble jumble. But what were you thinking going into it? So I actually was feeling pretty negative about it, which is rare for me because this was a real test, I think, especially on like the reproductive rights front, just to like know that it's still top of mind for voters was really nice to see. And we'll get into some of these results, but. Ultimately, I was just like, do people still care? Are people tired? Like, are people going to turn out? And so I just didn't know what to expect for this off-year election season. And there were a few I were particularly worried about. Some I was hopeful, which is different from how I felt going into the 2022 midterms. I was like very hopeful and like, fuck you all. You're all dumb and wrong. And like, we're going to be just fine. People are fired up. This year, I was like, it's not even like a midterm where there's less turnout. It's a fucking off year, 2023. Like, and you know, are people gonna come out? I didn't know. And they did. And we've, we have some really exciting election results to, to run through, which is great. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think I would sort of, I don't know, maybe it's like, even like a defense mechanism. I feel like lately I've just been like, we will do what we can do and it will be what we will, what it will be. And like, we will keep moving kind of vibe in my head. But I, obviously the Ohio result, which maybe that's the first time we go through Mm -hmm. is one that is like so incredibly exciting to me. And I think when we, we did an interview about this last winter when they first, the coalition in Ohio was coming together and figuring out what the strategy for a ballot measure in terms of protecting reproductive rights in Ohio was going to look like. And one of the things that they were talking about was like, do we do this this year? Like we have the window to do it, but like it's an off year election. Like who is turning out necessarily like this? Mm -hmm. Quadruply hard. Would it work if it were 2023 or is 2024 when there's going to be larger turnout? The best opportunity. The best opportunity. And it was like, it's such a catch 22. You miss the opportunity. Republicans pass something that, you know, reduces the power of ballot measures. And then you've yeah. waited a year and you've screwed yourself. I mean, it was kind of like a bad option in an in a, in a way, either way. So yeah, the fact that like it turned out feeling total lose lose. But thank God it worked out. People were activated. Turns out, like you just try and take people's rights away. You know, mm-hmm. people don't fucking turn out. But still, even with that, I really was equally very nervous that the turnout was going to be really low. Yeah. There's something that just makes it hard. Yeah. So takeaway number one is abortion remains potent for Democrats. And that's not just in the Ohio election where in Ohio access to abortion is now a constitutional right. 
Kentucky is also a very good example of how abortion is still very relevant on voters' minds and because Andy Bashir ran heavily on, you know, protecting abortion rights in the state of Kentucky, which I think mobilized a lot of people and was just another tell tale that, yeah, people are going to turn out when you fucking threaten them and their rights. So. Although, and this is the thing that gets me, and I was having a conversation the other day about this, is just the ballot splitting is so wild to me. And this like happened in Kentucky last year, like in the midterms where you had people saying, no, we do not want to, you know, take away, like make it impossible for us to have abortion rights um, or a right to abortion constitutionally. But then they are electing state reps that are vehemently anti-abortion. So like there's like, I think certain things that feel like such a disconnect for me where I'm like, okay, you did this, but then you did that. Yeah. I mean, well, it's obviously depends on the like district wide. Obviously, there's going to be more conservative places, but yeah, then like, but, like you know, an governor's AG, statewide race. Right. Yeah. Or a secretary of state. Like that's where I always get like a little like, you know, perplexed. And I think that's like having very specific conversations with voters and kind of understanding that further. But is I mean, look, with I think specifically with with Andy, like I can't not call me Andy because I really can't say that last name. We've tried and our Kentucky listeners sure. always correct us. I can't. It doesn't come out of my mouth right. It doesn't. I feel like and we said this a little bit on our DGA episode, too. We get a ton of press releases daily. Like I get literally I've not gotten more press releases from a governor administration ever than his on job creation. And it's they come through because they're constantly like they really are doing such an amazing job mm-hmm. on creating jobs and in industry in Kentucky. And it's so incredibly impressive. And it's smart of them. They're touting it all over. But I think for anyone on either side of the aisle, they're seeing like, oh, my gosh, we've got an economy that's moving and shaking and having good things happen and being added to. You know, yeah. I mean, good governance wanna... is the best way to like win elections, you know, and I think Andy Bashir is such a great example of that. And, you know, being in such a red state, like you think of Kentucky and you think red on red on red is the color of a season. And like he just comes through for the people of Kentucky. And I think they feel that. And that's why he, you know, is so popular there. Like I I was a little worried about about Kentucky just because I'm like, can he do it again? And, you know, literally it's the state where Mitch McConnell was elected. So it's like this really yeah. could go either way. But well, I just feel like Mitch McConnell is just like stateless. Like, he, <laughs> yeah, he does. He, you know what he I does. mean? Like, because well, he's so federal, you know, like he's a federal yeah. base and he's just a federal monster. <laughs> monster, a literal monster. For more results, Virginia. My God. Virginia. Thank goodness gracious almighty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Virginia was definitely an exciting one. I mean, Jesus, you couldn't really ask for better better results there no you couldn't and i think it was like such a good um slap in the face might help you the right word but kind of to glenn youngkin who kind of in the same way that mike johnson is like maga in a suit he kind of has that vibe you know like he's well-dressed he presents himself like seemingly moderate but he's not at all but he gives that sort of vibe. So yeah, I just think it was a great Rebook. <laughs> I love Rebook. Okay, that's way more fun. We're just saying that. Thank you. 
a rebuke to, you know, the Republicans and they were playing some really nasty games. There was one candidate who I know her and her husband had done some some things that married people do and un- unmarried people do too and have a great time doing and have the right to fucking do. And it was on, you know, camera having sex. They did. And you know what? MK and Ray J changed the game on that. It's it is what it is. People do it. Get over it. You think something pretty great moneymaker these days. You can't knock anyone. Just saying. You really can't. And they were literally taking screenshots from the videos and sending them in the mail, like mailers to people to voters' houses. And then on them, it had like labels being like not confidential, not the right word, but basically tempting like what would be like a kid to open it like don't open this and it's like oh you you guys are trying to have all these quote unquote laws to keep like porn out of the hands of kids or things that you find like you know offensive and you're sending screenshots of people's sexual activity yeah in the mail yeah to people that crazy honestly i would sue for loss of loss of revenue <laughs> is that a thing think about it it's like they're not they should get royalties on those photos they sent out Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that's a great segue into just talking about the Republican Party and yeah. how out of touch the Republican Party is. And, you know, I'm just so curious where they're going to go from here. I think I said this back after the 2022 like results of just like, are you guys going to switch it up? Like, are you guys going to figure it out? Because people aren't responding to your extremism. So maybe rethink, not that, you know, I want them to succeed, but it's just like this feeds into like wanting precedent at times again. And like the Republicans are the reason that we don't. So I just I'm curious where they're going to take it. That's just the interesting, interesting part to me. And I think there was talk of it on the GOP debate that I did not watch. But yeah, no, I watched clips of it. That was like the only way I was going to like roll through i feel like just like everything's been like i was like i will be watching princess diaries too yeah so because i just got disney plus a little it's fine that's, that's oh my god my it's it's incredible once you like, like get on you, there and you're like i can watch every episode of that so raven are you joking <laughs> and honestly honestly do go watch that's so raven because it's a timeless timeless show it's timeless comedy and it's amazing and lizzie mcguire are you kidding the classics, the classics. I literally, the amount of movies I've watched, you know, I'm not like a movie person, like you can't sit still for five seconds. I have really, The Pacifier, The Parent Trap, 101 Dalmatians. I mean, I'm like, I'm moving through this list of movies yeah. so fast. It's a little scary, but I can't touch grass because I'm not touching city. It's gross. So it is what it is. But anyways, I, I also do want to talk about Mississippi because Mississippi... Yes was close as fuck like literally people were talking about runoffs and that is so game-changing and it's one of those moments too where it's like just more investment is all that we need we need to keep pushing and it's like we're chipping away at mississippi and mississippi is close and that is fucking huge and that's why i'm like i'm bummed but like i'm still so hopeful for mississippi and like really excited to see what happens in the state me too and i was just looking at all the different stories coming out including these polls that were running out of ballots and there was one particular county where at 9 p.m they'd run out of ballots and the judge did not let them stay open and refill the ballots like yeah that makes a fucking difference right like who knows like i don't know how many people are in line i don't know the the exact numbers but the point is like people were there and they were trying to vote 
Mississippi has a very long history of voter suppression. Mm -hmm. The means in which Republicans in Mississippi will go to suppress the vote, the creativity, the the spin factor, the upside down gymnastics is insane. And so I think there is a lot of work to also, be done. Like, I'm really excited about on why. No, same. Have you read up on why they ran out of ballots? No, you know, they were paper ballots, though. But I'm like, they know oh, how many ballots. people, how many people are registered in a county or like for a certain polling place. So like, it just seems pretty shocking that any polling place would run yeah. out of ballots you know like that's like seems like number one thing when you're setting up a polling place is to make sure you know that right amount of ballots is there which makes my ears perk up and makes me smell something a little fishy you know just like counting totally. the ballots that are needed for a certain polling place seems like step number one and like the yeah. first thing you do to make sure like things are ready to go no totally fishy all around we had the jackson judge situation earlier this year like yep. lots lots to look at consider there is blood in the water in mississippi though there and... is and i very much recommend people subscribing to newsletters from mississippi free press i obviously am not from mississippi i've never been to mississippi although if anyone wants to invite me i'm happy to go and take a little we trip. can go together oh my god we come i have some fam there wait that would be so fun <laughs> do we do a mississippi trip too. Yeah. Oh my god. Wait, we're do- we're totally doing this. Also, Maddie and I are literally missing each other on like three different trips currently. Like yeah. DC, we're like all over the place. So you guys are just gonna get like varied content from us in all these different locations. But our next combined we'll is to do some Photoshop shopping. I just literally thinking <laughs> some AI photoshopping. Oh god. Oh my god. Mm. I can't. Yeah. But it'll look great. But yeah. So. Anyway, my point being with the Mississippi Free Press thing is like that's how I've one of the ways I've been trying to like get up to date of like what goes on politically in the state and just being aware of even like more local news stories in Mississippi because that's just I personally just think that's one of the ways to do it. So yeah, um, I think it's it's a yeah. place to watch and I think it's if you're if it's exciting to you, definitely like stay engaged and informed on what happens in Mississippi, maybe get involved in some of the orgs on the ground. And just, I think we need a lot of people to start investing some time and energy there yeah. because there is massive opportunity. So that again, while a disappointing result, I feel good about the future in Mississippi. And I think this election was was a telltale sign of that, especially in an off year. Like, come on. But yeah, overall election results were were positive. And especially like coming off yeah. this negative Biden Trump horse race poll in swing states. How are we not going to talk about uh, Joe Manchin? Oh Joe Manchin. Oh, boy, Joe yeah. Manchin. And Jill Stein, all in one day. So we are recording this a little bit earlier than usual. So, like, yeah, literally something could happen with Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin could announce some shit before we release this episode. But, oh, boy, Joe Manchin, what's he going to do? There is a super adorable man running for Senate in West Virginia who is a blue collar veteran, like big country boy who is running as a Democrat in West Virginia. And I just want to put all my marbles in in that bag because 
first of all, he's adorable. And like one of the pictures I saw of him, he was wearing a Tyler Childers shirt, who was like my favorite country artist and also a progressive king. Mm-hmm. And he's from West Virginia. And I'm like, okay, Tyler Childers needs to get on the GOTV path. And like, I'm just yeah. like, I'm curious what's going to happen with West Virginia and people are going to invest in it. Because I think, again, it's another opportunity. Yeah. Like, we essentially are kicking out a fake Democrat. Like Joe Manchin has technically been a vote, a winning vote on big, big items, but he's also been just such a fucking roadblock. And yeah, I think we I mean, can put someone in there that's better. All the articles for- in the news are like saying basically like, oh, we're just lost our seat to a Republican. Like nobody's even thinking as if nobody's even thinking it's an opportunity to like put a Democrat in that seat, which I'm like, Joe Manchin is a Democrat. Technically, let's not forget, like there's a, there's right. possibility here. Well, I think that's part of the problem that we've talked about and ranted about with polling in general is like even especially up until the you know the last few weeks before an election, when the polling is so negative, people go, OK, well, like, what's the point? You know, it really it becomes such a deterrent, it becomes these predetermined results in a way that just like are not right and sort of poisons the well. And so I think you know, you're kind of seeing it with that as well. I mean, also send me this candidate need to feature him, obviously, in GovHub. I wonder if I have. I hope I hope not. And then I'm not forgetting. But regardless, we love a Tyler Childers fan. But I, I really think like that's part of the issue and to like the mansion of it all. Like in case you guys missed it, basically, he announced that he's not running for reelection for his Senate seat. And the rumors, you know, the rumor mill is going round and round because the man loves attention and his ego has the audacity of like a million white men, not just one. And is he going to run as an independent or a no label, you know, party candidate for president? And I pray to God that he does not, because while on its face, having an independent candidate is a great idea. Really cool. Love the idea of having more people at the table. Woo, Woo, for sure. In presidential elections, it is always a fucking problem, like every single time. And when you're voting in this particular 2024 election for an independent candidate or a third party, you are voting for Trump. That is what is Right. When there's so, an extremist on the other side right. of, of the coin. Yeah. It's I don't feel dangerous. as though some people think he could be a spoiler for Trump, though, too. Interesting. Because even think about the runoffs in Georgia last year, like part of that issue was an independent candidate that was running that split a lot of votes that was part of what I mean, went into a runoff. So mm-hmm. I just I worry. I mean, like, look, if it wants to throw things Biden's way, you know, I'm going to roll it. But I just don't love it. I just think Manchin's not the dude for the job. And then Jill Stein announced that she is yet again running as part of the Green Party. No one is shocked there. That just which is so weird and confusing because like her and Cornell West are are homies. So like why I just think at a certain point like they're basically the same candidate too. So I'm just like what? Yeah. Anyways, there's a lot, a lot moving. And hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it's not like Joe Manchin for president happening (laughs) because good Lord. But yeah, there is a quick election recap for you, a Joe Manchin rant. And we have a really, really great episode for you guys today. We do, which is super exciting. We are talking with Congresswoman Jayan Paul. We are talking all about the Trans Bill of Rights, which is a piece of legislation 
that she introduced along with quite a laundry list of DEMs. So we wanted to, of course, get into what it is, how it would operate, what you know needs to happen for that to pass. And also we really get into the filibuster because yeah, the filibuster to be just, continued conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys actually, as you're listening, you have questions about the filibuster and also other processes like democratic processes or congressional processes. Or if you have questions for the congresswoman, we're going to have her back on soon. So if there's any questions that pop up for Rep. Jayapal, then do send our way because we'll we'll ask him one day when she comes back soon. True. True. And we have to ask her all about her sister who's also running for Congress. Mm-hmm. And I realize you totally forgot. So nonetheless, more to talk about, but this episode's great and she is such a delight. So without further ado, here is Rep. Shiapal. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlinthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of pros custom hair care and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. 
And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. We are ready. All right, Congresswoman, welcome to Girl Make Up the Podcast. We have so much to get into today. It is a wild, wild time. <laughs> yes, it definitely is, but I'm really happy to be here with you. Likewise. And one of the things that we want to talk about is the Transgender Bill of Rights, which was reintroduced by yourself and colleagues this year. Can you tell us a little bit about what it focuses on, what it's about, and you know how it works? Yes, absolutely. So earlier this year, I and Senator Markey and 108 co-sponsors in the House introduced the Trans Bill of Rights. And this is really, as the mom, very proud mom of a trans kid, but also just seeing the unprecedented attacks on trans rights, particularly in red states around the country, I felt we needed very clear federal action to protect our trans community and really put forward a vision of what that looked like. So this resolution is really sending a clear message that we stand in solidarity with the trans community, that we will do everything in our power to allow our trans uh, community members to lead full and happy lives as their authentic selves, and to really protect in every arena their fundamental rights. Yeah. And what does that look like as far as what this bill is really achieving? What can people kind of learn from what is in this bill and kind of what it aims to solve? Yeah. Well, first of all, it would it would send that very clear message, tell the trans community that we're with them and we have their backs as they continue to be attacked, right? They need to hear that message. But there are also very specific things that we call for. It would ensure rights for trans and non-binary individuals, and it would make it clear that it's illegal to discriminate based on gender identity and sex characteristics, specifically in two areas. One is access to public services. So it would amend the Civil Rights Act to give trans members that access to public services free of discrimination, and also access to employment, housing, and credit. And it would codify the Bostock decision. So again, reiterating that if you are a trans member, you cannot be discriminated against when it comes to jobs, when it comes to your housing, when it comes to getting your credit. It would also make sure that every single student has their authentic identity respected in the classroom and is able to participate in school sports, which we know is so important to people's development and ability to be a part of a community, and also would make sure that there's access to an inclusive curriculum. 
And then finally, it would expand access to gender affirming care. And it would codify the right to both abortion and contraception. It would protect trans people from discrimination in healthcare. It would invest in preventing violence against trans and non-binary people, which we know is on the rise across the country. And it would ensure that the Justice Department can enforce and prioritize enforcing their civil rights. Wow. Seems like a whole package. A yeah, lot of things definitely. included. And obviously some very important things included in that package. And I think one of the questions comes to be, you know, if this does get passed, how are all of these different things enforced? What does that look like? Yeah, it's I mean, it is a non-binding policy framework to provide protections for transgender and non-binary people. So it advocates what should be done to make sure the communities have the opportunity to thrive regardless of their gender identity or expression. And so I think, you know, it is, uh, that is important, but it does lay out the steps that Congress needs to take, right? Like amending the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, sex characteristics. It, you know, it, it says we need to amend the following laws. So I think of it as a, as a roadmap. It's like, what is the roadmap to ensuring that trans people really are respected and have the rights that they deserve? This is that roadmap. I understand that it may take us a little bit of time to achieve every single one of these things and that passing the resolution on its own is not necessarily immediately going to provide protection. But I also know, having worked on hate crimes and discrimination for many years of my life, that it matters when the federal government yeah. speaks out. It matters when elected officials speak out. And, and so this is that speaking out that is the first step. And then we continue to make sure that we implement all these steps. Absolutely. Yeah, that's such an important point. But I'm also curious when kind of like doing the R&D on this bill, what kind of stood out as far as what the trans community is really facing and like kind of giving that background and that landscape of like why this is so necessary. Yeah. Well, this has been, you know, tough, right? Because I'm a mom of a trans kid. And so I know just from being a mom and listening to my daughter, but also all the trans folks across the country that have been texting me and email, well, not texting me, but DMing me and emailing me and, you know, sharing their stories with me that what they feel like is, first of all, this deep fear, um, a deep fear in their communities. I mean, many of them talk to me about how they're buying pepper spray and they're, you know, they're, they're taking self-defense classes because they just don't know when they might be attacked. And many of them have seen and experienced the attack of a trans um, friend of theirs. And, and so it's very, very real for them, even by the way, in non-red states, even in blue states. But also, you know, just I, I was on a drive across the country with my daughter when she was finishing college and just experiencing her trepidation when we would stop at a bathroom, right? And not knowing what bathroom to go into was really heartbreaking because in neither bathroom, if it wasn't a gender affirming bathroom that was accessible to everybody, neither one felt right. And so, so there's that. 
But then there's the very real concerns that people have raised where they have gone to get housing or they are the targets of bullying in their schools or um, they've tried to apply for credit or, you know, all the bans that are happening at the state legislature to prevent them from playing sports or to prevent them from having access to services. Some of those are passing and there are real consequences to what it means for people to even be able to get gender affirming care which is so important, so medically protected and has such research behind it. But the things that are being said are, are really terrible. So it is really about what people experience and feel every day in terms of being able to be who they are. And it is about protecting their right to access these critically important things in life that we all need and deserve and also feeling you know, feeling respected, feeling included, feeling seen. And so hopefully this Trans Bill of Rights gets at all of those things. Totally. Mm -hmm. And words are so important, often underrated, I have to say. And of course, a lot of them are being thrown around also at the federal level. And I'm curious what you've been hearing about the Trans Bill of Rights and the reception to it. And also sort of those next steps, you know, what does that landscape look like? What's possible? What do you foresee? Well, I think the most important thing is for people to know about the Trans Bill of Rights, which is why I was so excited to come on with you, and then to call their representatives and say, hey, I heard about this Bill of Rights, and it is really important to me. So can you please sign on? Because 108 is not 435. And we get that Republicans are probably not going to be foremost on this. However, I will tell you that we just had a great roundtable with Republicans Um, who were parents of trans kids and talking about why this is not a Democrat or Republican issue. It is about loving your family member, loving your kid and wanting to have um, them be able to be who they are. So I think wherever you are in the country, call your representative, tell them to get on this Bill of Rights. That is the biggest roadblock to any piece of legislation passing is getting enough people to sign on. And then of course, you know, you have to have the majority. So to bring a bill to the floor. And so we just need that. We need that. We need that movement around the country. The other big roadblock I would say is that a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about this because they don't necessarily know exactly how to respond to some of the trans attacks because they're being weaponized, right? Like the trans kids are being weaponized to to try and divide us. Mm -hmm. And so we've also been trying to do a lot of work to just educate people and say, you know, it's okay. When my, when my daughter came out first as non-binary and then as trans, I had to learn a lot of things. What I didn't have to learn is that I love her and that she is I mean, I'm going to get emotional, but she is just, she is, she's so beautiful. And so, but I had to learn the language. I had to learn about the science. I had to learn about the research around this. I had to, I had to learn things. And so I think for us to be able to say, look, it's okay if you don't know everything, you know, but you, you can, we can talk about it and nobody's going to shame you if you, you know, ask a question. And so we've been trying to create those spaces for people to just get more comfortable with this and hear from trans people about what their lives are like and get to know them in the same way that we know our kids. And we're just clear, of course, we love you. And of course, we're going to do everything to support you. Totally. That's so, that part is so important. The conversations, the learnings, especially with all of the 
political discourse out there right now around the trans community and the misinformation and myths that are super damaging. It's so important to have those those conversations and to like, yeah, bring people in and be like, it's okay. Let's learn yeah. together. All yeah. is good. Well, curious to what other pieces of legislation are in motion right now that are designed to protect the LGBTQA plus community at the federal level. Like what else are we looking at as far as some hopefully good news and good legislation coming through for the community? Well, there's the Equality Act, which is, you know, like the big one, right? H.R. 15. And we passed we've passed it several times when we had control, when Democrats had control of the House. And that bill just never got brought up in the Senate because the Senate has this horrible rule called the filibuster, which means that 40 senators who represent 12 percent of the country's population can block anything from coming forward. And so, you know, I would just say we got to make sure people understand we got to get rid of the filibuster. We need 50 Democrats who are willing to get rid of the filibuster if we want these bills to move in the Senate. But also we've got um, an LGBTQIA plus data inclusion act that would require federal agencies that collect demographic survey data to also collect voluntary data on sexual orientation and gender identity and variations in sex characteristics, because that is the research that helps us to show, you know, all of the issues that the trans community is facing. So it's kind of a foundational piece that we really want. There's also a bill called the Tyler Clementi Higher Education Anti-Harassment Act, And that bill would, among other things, require colleges and universities that get federal aid to actually establish an anti-harassment policy. And it would include that uh, prohibiting the harassment of people according to sexual orientation or gender identity or pregnancy or childbirth, a sex stereotype or sex characteristics. So that is also a really important one. So I think we have a number of core bills and we are going to continue. We have to get back the majority in the House and we need to get back the majority in the Senate, but with enough Democrats who are willing to get rid of the Jim Crow legacy filibuster, which stops progress, not just on this, but everything else that you all talk about and care about. Totally. I'm actually so curious your thoughts on which you feel like is a bigger roadblock to progress in general. It's like, is it the filibuster or is it the Republicans having majorities? I mean, obviously they have one right now, but over time, like which one is like the biggest stickler? Well, that's hard to say because the filibuster, to get rid of the filibuster, you have to have the majority. You know, so much depends on who has the majority. But what happens is that we tell people, and honestly, like I was very politically active before coming to Congress And I didn't realize the impact of the filibuster, you know, and I would listen to people say to me, oh, give us the House, give us the Senate, give us the White House, and then we're going to make all these changes. And then I would be disappointed. I would say, well, we gave you those things and you didn't make these changes. And it didn't really occur to me fully until I got here how this structural change is really important. So the way I kind of think about that question, Sammy, is we have to change the rulers for sure, right? Right? Like we need the majorities, totally. but we also have to change the rules because if we don't change the rules, then we can change the rulers and we're still not going to be able to make things happen. And that's why I think it's so important. And I'll come back anytime and talk more about the filibuster because <laughs> I just think it is so important for people to understand that 
anything, right? Climate change, immigration reform, gun violence, abortion rights, LGBTQ rights, whatever it is that you care about. We probably passed it in the House, $15 Mm -hmm. minimum. We probably passed it in the House and then it died in the Senate. So that's the thing I think that's really, really super important for people to know is change the rules. Yes. Got to take back the majority. Sorry. Change the rulers. Yes. Got to take back the majorities, but let's change the rules and let's actually make it possible for us to move some of these bills. Yeah. That darn Senate. That darn yeah. Senate. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the people's house gets stuff done. Everything. Yeah. Well, we call the Senate, the graveyard where all good things go to die. Don't tell the I- Senate. <laughs> Oh, I would agree with that. So yeah, I think both of us are on the same page with that. I also have a question just about kind of the right on especially issues around the trans community and honestly beyond. I'm just kind of curious with you being in it and, you know, having these people be colleagues to you. And you said also there, there is, you know, a call from the right to protect trans people because they also have people in their lives and families that identify that way. And so I'm just curious, like really what it feels like on the inside, like, is it as bad as what we see on the media or is, is there kind of more hope with, you know, having the relationships you do like within the house? Well, I'm an optimist, you know, cause I wouldn't be doing political work if I wasn't, I wouldn't be an organizer if I wasn't. Crucial. But, so I always think there's hope, but I will tell you, it's pretty awful, you know, and this is where I'm usually like, I can usually sit through most things and I do sit through most things. But when they start talking about my daughter, Mm. fierce mama bear is out and I don't like it. And I don't like it for anybody. And I think it's really hard because there aren't very many, there, there are no, well, there's one or two Republicans who might vote sort of with us here and there. So they're very different in private conversations, a couple of them than they are in public conversations. But the minute the topic comes up publicly, they are nasty and cruel and it's pretty hard to to deal with. So so that's why we're trying to create the space where, you know, I watched this video of this wonderful parent who's a Republican in Ohio and he was testifying against the Ohio trans ban and I watched him and I was like, oh, my God, he's awesome. He, you know, and he was talking about his son, his trans son. And so I just called him up and said, hey, talk to me. You know, you're a Republican. Come in. How do we figure out how to get more Republicans? And so that was the whole roundtable that we did. And Ileana Russ Leitonen, who is she was a former Florida representative and then she stepped down. So she's not she's not in Congress anymore, but her son is the head of the Trans Equality Center. And so she's really been great, too. So we brought her in for the roundtable and we tried to set up some meetings with these with this Republican father and son with other Republican members. We got a couple. So, you know, do I have hope? Yes, I always have hope. Is it nasty? Yes, it's nasty. Are they cruel? Yes, publicly extremely cruel. And so, and I don't think they really understand how terrible it is and how dangerous it is for the trans community and particularly kids where the incidence of suicide is and suicide creation is so high. Yeah, it's not like some political game. Exactly insanity yeah it's not like oh well it's like the roads getting paved or the i don't know the water hydrants being i wouldn't even know what the term is 
fueled yeah. with water, like whatever it is, it is yeah. obviously, it really is a life or death thing in so many ways and so critical. And obviously yeah. there is so much work to be done. And I think the perfect closing note would be to ask, how can people get involved, especially young people? How can they help make change? What does that look like? Partially, you know, filibuster, trans bill of rights, you know, give us yeah. the lay of the land there. Yeah, exactly right. So we got to continue to fight these fights, right? So I would say, call your rep, tell them to get on the bill, find some Republicans in your neighborhood and introduce us to them. We'll get them plugged in who are, you know, who are, who are positive about this because I actually think they exist all over. And then of course, voting, 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 so important to make sure you turn out for these elections. I mean, look at last night. It was a great, it was a great articulation of how people do not want the federal government in their bedrooms telling them what to do with their bodies or checking them on the school grounds to see what gender they are. Like that is not what the American mm-hmm. people are. Yeah. And that should be both a liberal and a conservative position. So just be engaged. Don't give up hope. Call your rep. Tell them to get on Trans Bill of Rights and vote. Yep. Totally. Get that trifecta. Then, yep. you know, <laughs> get to the Senate, break the filibuster, and then it's just well, the floodgates open. Your, oh, that's another thing. Ask your ask your senator mm-hmm. to make sure that they are going to get rid of the filibuster, including in Democratic states where senators may not be up for election. It's a really important point to make sure that they're they tell you that they're ready to get rid of that filibuster. Totally. Yeah. And on both sides too, they all need to be pushed. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for this rundown. We're excited to have you back. You you said you'd come back. We're going to hold you to that because we would love to keep chatting. You You guys are awesome. I love talking to you. So bring me back. back. Will do. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Sammy. Bye. Thanks.